I, I have, I have actually, I've done a good job at disinformation myself. So I haven't, I haven't looked at my news app in a few, like a few weeks, but um, there's this tendency to, to the, the, from the moment I wake up to start thinking about, oh my gosh, what's the COVID situation in California or what's the, <laughs> you know, what's the biggest wildfire or uh, what's the status of the, of the war in Ukraine. And, you know, like all of these things that, that, that concern my mind mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that like human beings just weren't, weren't built to, to maintain that type of, that type of difficulty. is the show where encounter meets mission. My name's Brad Pierron and I'm joined today in the illustrious Damascus studios with my good friends and brothers in Christ, Dan Dimite and Aaron Richards. Brad, that felt really good. Be dexterous. Yeah, I know. Mm. Went with both <laughs> hands for the high fives. I'm figuring this whole like hosting seat thing out. But for those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome. This is the show where Encounter meets Mission. Just like St. Paul on his road to Damascus encountered the living God and then from yeah. there lived a life of extraordinary mission. We want to do the same things. And if you've joined us before, you're familiar with our good friends at St. Gabriel Catholic Radio here in Central Ohio. They've been amazing sponsors of the show from the very beginning, mm -hmm. and we're honored to continue to partner with them. Today, we're talking a little bit about the idea of being consumed being consumed. So um, I know that you've probably um, seen, if you're following any of our shows, that we've done a couple episodes on the Eucharist. And today we're going to do a third show on the Eucharist to kind of round out the uh, the summer sessions oh, that boy. we've been having here at Catholic Youth Summer Camp. So why don't we go ahead and jump in, Dan? Do you want to kick us off? In the name of the Pray. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, we love you, we adore you, we bless you, and we praise you. And we pray you, just, you would send your spirit upon us and all of us listening to this show, Lord, that we would just be filled with the beauty of your presence. Lord, I pray that your presence would be richly about us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that as we listen to this show today, you would consume our hearts and our minds more with your love and take away anything that's not of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Man, so the idea of being consumed. So, that sounds scary. Uh, it does sound like a, little a scary, giant monster yes. wanting to consume I, I think that's, you. That's ah. the cliffhanger I was trying to leave at the beginning. I'm not sure <laughs> how effectively I did that, but um, yeah, we've been talking about the Eucharist all summer here at Catholic Youth Summer Camp. Our theme has been Fons at Coleman, which is the source and yeah, summit, yeah. and we know that the source and summit of the Christian life is Jesus. the Eucharist, and yeah, Jesus in the Eucharist, right? Um, and so, yeah, I, I was tasked in the beginning of the week, um, I'm sorry, probably more towards the middle of the week, but with a talk called Consumed by Love, and um, I think that's probably a good place for us to start, is on the idea of um, all humans being consumed by something, right? Yeah. Like, all of us in our day-to-day -day lives are consumed by things. And so, um, yeah, I guess the first question to you guys is like, when you look in the church today, uh, maybe in the world today, and you're looking at people being consumed by things, what are some of the, the first things that come to mind? <laughs> uh, there's lots of things, right? Yeah, I right. mean, I think just practically, uh, like I struggle to be consumed by like my phone or my work schedule and stuff like that, where it's yeah. just like, this is the things you have to do. Yesterday, I was consumed by yard work. Uh, I was like, oh my gosh, I was gone for 
10 weeks this summer and got home and there are more weeds growing in places I didn't know weeds could grow. (laughs) And so being consumed by yard work is something that just naturally happens. Yeah, right, right, right. (laughs) Yeah, consumed by the to-do list. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you got material stuff, you've got relationship stuff. It's, it's, It's all the... I don't know all the all the things that we would look to for our value, yeah. Like to to identify ourselves with. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy to be taken up by a lot of things. So, um, like consumed, um, coming from the words meaning like to be taken up by, and our lives are taken up by a lot of things, you know. And um, I, I think Pope Francis has that done really well actually to speak against consumerism, right? That mm. we're actually consumed by the idea that everything's trying to consume our time and our resource and our attention. And, um, I think to your point, Dan, one thing that I've noticed recently is, um, I think in, in my pursuit of what the Lord's calling me to and things like that, I'm consumed a lot by the opinion of others, like just consumed by like what they're thinking about the choices that I'm making or the ways that I'm going about my life. And speaking I think of which, of I really thing. like your shirt. How about that? Yeah, I do like it. How it is a nice shirt. Thanks, yeah. Man. yeah. So if you're looking for yes. my opinion, there then, it is. Then, yes. You've got well, it there today. It is. There it's it a is. positive one. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, in the Christian life, though, obviously, where this comes to a head is that when we're consumed by all the things that the world presents to us, we can't be fully consumed by the things that the Lord's trying to give to us. Yeah. And um, yeah, I wonder, I wonder where that line is sometimes, you know? Well, and I mean, there's all these intangible things that like these, uh, the, like being consumed with anxiety or being consumed by fear, you know? And those are, those are things like that are lifestyles contrary to the life that Christ promises us. And so it's really, it's really sad when the Lord promises us something and yet I'm experiencing something different, you know, where I want to be consumed by peace. (laughs) Like I want to be consumed by joy. I want to be consumed by the father's love where the opinion of others doesn't matter. And so no matter what, my mind is going to be consumed with something. It's my mind space has to be focused on, on Mm -hmm. something. And my heart space is focused on something. And the question is, what's the something and, Mm -hmm. and, how do we get to the place where it's the right something? Yeah. 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 yeah I think, uh, our minds, um, we're almost like made to obsess a little bit. Like it's, it's funny as we I reflect on like what, um, Jesus teaches about renewal of the mind that we talk about so often here and things like our, our mind was made to be obsessed, but in one thing, which is the Lord, you know, and it tries to find other things to be obsessed with without question that like, I'm going to put all of my attention and all of my thought pattern towards this thing and this thing. And, um, I, I I just, I wonder in the world today, what, like, um, what has left us a little more consumed than generations past. I think we always just kind of attribute it to technology and things like that, but I'm never convinced that that's actually the, the whole of the problem. Like there is just a, maybe it is the fact that there is just more, but, um, yeah, I was, uh, for- I was, I forget where, the, where I was reading this the other day. It's probably, probably good. But, uh, there was an article that was, that was speaking about the fact that we consume right now more information as a culture than we actually have the capacity to, to manage in a healthy way. Hmm. That if you, if you even look at the, at the, the transformation that's happened, I, let me say in the last, even the last 10 years, right. Mm-hmm. That, that like my tendency uh, that, I, that I have to now fight through discipline is to wake up in the morning and like immediately start consuming and concerning myself with situations that are completely outside of my control. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I have, I have, 
actually I've done a good job at disinformation myself. So I haven't I haven't looked at my news app in a few, like a few weeks, but um, there's this tendency to to the, the, from the moment I wake up to start thinking about, oh my gosh, what's the COVID situation in California, or what's the <laughs> you know what's the biggest wildfire, or uh, what's the status of the of the war in Ukraine, and you know like all of these things that 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 concern my mind, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that like human beings just weren't weren't built to to maintain that type of that type of difficulty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. I mean, to some extent I would say like, well, you should be concerned about knowing what's happening in the war I mean, in, in the Ukraine. But at the same time, you think about it, like maybe like we're a global society now. Yeah, we exactly. weren't always a global society. Yeah. And so a hundred years ago, yeah, you I would have, have never I would have known. been, I would have been concerned about my crops and my animals. And that's probably it well, until the day I drive to market. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. There's and, a lot of things that they were pretty overly concerned though sure, too. But, like, but the am, bubble, is my family going to eat today? But the like, bubble was very yeah, small. Sure. It was small. You yeah. know, the, the relationship bubble was very small, and there's this sense through, especially through social media, like that that I've got to maintain relationship with with hundreds of people. Yeah, uh, I, I have to I have to be concerned about the thought process of like, it's just it puts us in a place where we're like, yeah, we, we've adopted I don't know this uh, this mentality that I've got to have a, a much uh, wider pulse on everything. Yeah. And, and I, I think it just creates like a perpetual sense of anxiety. Yeah. That's probably why we, uh, our culture is struggling so much with There we anxiety. go. We've diagnosed yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Well, no, anxiety. And that that's funny too, because I was um, actually reflecting with the Lord just a couple of weeks ago on the story of Martha and Mary. It was it was the feast day yeah. of, of Martha. And um, I, I love that the Lord's like, there. there's need of only one thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like Martha, Martha, you are worried and anxious about many things and there's need of only one thing. And I, I do wrestle with that though. And so I wonder like, is even what you were saying, Aaron, cause I agree with that. It's like, I do feel obliged to attend to all of these things that in generations past, I wouldn't have been feeling obliged to attend to, but what, what should we say to the people that are like listening and thinking to themselves like, yeah, but you want to be understanding what's happening in the world, you know, cause I, I find even in myself yeah. this defensive reaction and I don't know where the line's at because yeah. there there's, I think that draw of like, I don't want to immediately presume I'm consuming all this for the wrong reasons, even though yeah. I might be. So I wonder what is, what is the line? Like, you know, cause to be consumed is to be taken up by. So maybe it's, it doesn't take up more space than it should. It, it's kind of an interesting line. I think I think it's just virtue to some extent, sure, right? Sure. Like, I mean, I, I, there's nothing wrong with eating ice cream, but if I eat too much ice cream, then it's yeah. no longer virtuous. And so in the same way I would apply temperance to food, I should apply temperance to mm-hmm. anything I'm consuming. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I think it's very noticeable if I've, if I've been in, imprudent and intemperate with like my alcohol consumption. Right. And so it has negative effects on me if I am. And so the, Mm -hmm. uh, likewise, if I'm intemperate with my, uh, Mm -hmm. media consumption, it's going to have negative effects on me. Yep. Yep. And I think, well, cause to that same, to that same degree, like it, it is, it is a matter of virtue because virtue isn't easy and it's not cheap. And I think that's one thing we see in the world today is that we can become consumed with ideology that yeah. gives simple answers to complex problems. And that's like the opposite of virtue. Virtue is actually worked out in like in the patterns of everyday life in in like mm-hmm. reorganizing my thoughts and restructuring my ways. Because uh, again, Dan, you mentioned this in our last episode, but we have young people coming in now that I feel like have been 
like consumed or like altogether taken up by so many things in the world that I think are new in the last, yeah. you know, two decades yeah. or something like that. And one of those things is this, um, I think is in some ways an ideology that, that gives me simple answers to complex problems. Like wh- why am I struggling in my life? Well, I'm, I'm sure it's because I'm depressed. It's like, well, no, 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 no. There, there also could be bad days. There could, but, but it's an easy answer that I can just slap a label on when I feel that way, you know? Well, and, and to realize that there's like tons of money going into uh, marketing and design to get you to be consumed by these things. Like the, these apps are designed to get you to be addicted and to go back to it and back to it and back to it or to, to keep going and not giving up. And so there does have to be a added level of, I'd say scrutiny and discernment even before choosing to engage. Like, mm-hmm. do I, do I have the willpower to stop? And I think it's, and it almost happened. I mean, it's a, we, we saw it with the cigarette industry, right? Like the, there was this unregulated cigarette industry and everyone got like addicted to cigarettes. And it, at that point that there wasn't the wisdom and the knowledge to realize, Hey, this stuff is addictive and it's ultimately going to lead to your death. And I think we're starting to realize that with mass media right now, like, Whoa, wait a second, this stuff is addictive and they knew it, but they didn't tell you that. And it's ultimately going to lead to your like spiritual death or your mental death. And, and so I think there's, there is a level of like, okay, we've got to wake up to the things that are consuming us and are designed to consume us so that we become consumers of their product and become much more discerning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a lot of, a lot of what we're talking about to kind of connect it to the theme of the summer is that like in life, there are, there are all of these avenues by which we can be a consumer that actually consumes something that we weren't made for and all of these ways we can be consumed by things we weren't weren't made to be consumed by right so these this twofold reality where i'm taking in things that i wasn't made that i wasn't made to take in but i'm also putting myself in deep in places where i don't need to be put so deep and so um the uh the drama just to kind of like set up I think where we should go, we, we do drama ministry and a lot of us have been involved in that in different ways over time. And the drama that came before my talk this year at camp is this really cool drama and it, it, it personifies Jesus in a way I don't think we see all the time. So he's, um, he's humorous, kind of like light on his feet and like he's interacting with this main character and the, the idea is that there's this center of control, this stool and the person who sits on the stool makes all the decisions in the main character's life. Right. And so the main character could put someone else on the stool. They could put themselves on the stool or they could put Jesus on the stool. Right. And as the, the good church going person that the main character is, they, they're like, Jesus, you're going to take your place on the stool. Right. Like you have absolute authority to make the decisions in my life. But then all of a sudden things start being offered to them like that they could consume and they go, yeah, I kind of want to consume that. And they kind of nudge Jesus off the chair. Right. Like slowly, but surely. And then all of a sudden Jesus is like, Hey, I thought I was given the, 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 the decisions in your life. And, um, and then there's other things that they're starting to be consumed by. Like they're starting to like fall into th- this way of thinking that's outside of the way Jesus wants them to think and things like that. And then they begin nudging Jesus off again and again from the chair. So the, the moral of the, the drama is that there's only one person who can consume our lives. Mm. And is that person going to be someone else, ourselves or Jesus? Yeah. And, um, I think that 
all the things we're talking about when it comes to being consumed, they kind of fall into that paradigm, I guess. They fall into like, who's going to be on the decision-making seat of my life? Is it going to be Jesus, um, who I'm consumed by? Is it going to be the opinion of others that I'm consumed by? Or is it going to be off my own selfish desires that I'm consumed by? And um, I, I think that that lays a foundation for the young people. But it also, like, every week watching that drama did something in me, too. I mean, it's the essence of the faith that Jesus is Lord, <laughs> right? And yeah. that giving Jesus that seat is what it means to make Jesus Lord of your life. And mm-hmm. I, I think the um, we talk about Jesus being Lord all the time, or we call Jesus Lord all the time. But then, how do you? What are the, what? How do I help myself grow into the practice of making Jesus Lord of my life? It was, I mean, what? What, what was Jesus doing throughout his life to prepare him in this moment in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, of total surrender, right? Or what would DeMary do leading up to that moment of total surrender? How do we prepare ourselves in, in the small decisions of life to prepare ourselves for total surrender and unity of wills? And and I, I love, I mean, just the that... Yeah, like the 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 drama's cute and funny because it's like okay, Jesus is on and off <laughs> yeah, the right, chair right. a bunch, but it's it's uh, ha- and that's probably our lived experience. He's on and off the chair a lot in our in, in mm-hmm. our own heart. But how do how do we get to the place where the decisions he would make are the decisions I would like that I actually want? Mm-hmm. It's not conforming mm-hmm. to his will. Like okay, Jesus, you get to make all the decisions, mm-hmm. and I'll mm-hmm. do whatever you say. But it's actually like we're in this together, and everything you say I desire, and everything I desire you desire, and it's like you're actually moving in unison, yeah, uniformity of the will, as opposed to hmm. just conformity of the will. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's the goal. Yeah. Well, and I've always struggled, and maybe I'm tell me if I'm getting this no, off course, no, no, but I've struggled with this idea in the garden as well, like where you have. Um, almost like Jesus being conformed to the Father's will as opposed to uniformed. And it's a, it's perplexing to me because I think the mm. the, mm. the ultimate experience of is union of wills. I think that's what our desire is. And mm. um, but you see almost a conformity of wills in the garden, which has always confused me. Um, unless if, if if there really was a union of wills and that we just read it as a conformity of wills, you know, sure. but but uh, like the mystics speak of this like spiritual marriage is is union of will uh, mm-hmm. that that I desire what he desires he desires what I there's we're one you know I was actually gonna bring that up I think in that I think it I think it's the matter of desire there mm. so I I think the uniformity comes in and that they're desiring the same thing yeah it's not conformity because I'm conforming to an action it's a uniformity of desire that had one way of achieving it yeah. Right, because if there would have been some other way, I'm sure that there would have been another way. Yeah. Right, but the father saw that in their desires, this was the best path forward. Mm. And I, I have been obsessed with that for a long time. That early in my time with the Lord, and I spoke about that in the talk this summer too, and I wrestle with it all the time. That that the majority of my life, I saw the Lord as the abdication of all desire, of all desire, like. The, the removal of all desire that there's, there's need of only one thing. Let me get rid of all these subsidiary desires and let me just all to the Lord. Right. And then the book by Ralph Martin, who's just amazing. Uh, the fulfillment of all desires just totally shifted my, my lens mm-hmm. that the Lord's not the abdication of all desires, but the fulfillment of all mm-hmm. desires that the desires I have, even if they're being put into an action that's different than what he would want, those desires once I recognize them as uniform to his, then I can easily choose 
a path that might be a little more difficult to choose not seeing that his desires and mine align. Yeah. I don't know if that's... Yeah, no, I think that's one of the things that we teach our missionaries, that your thoughts, your feelings, and your dire- desires are the substance of your prayer, where mm-hmm. I think sometimes mm-hmm. we feel mm-hmm. like, okay, these desires I have are bad, so I shouldn't, I'm not going to bring them up in prayer, but like... Sort these out. Yeah, yeah. Then present the perfect image. Yeah, yeah, but that is, it is like, what do I bring to prayer? Well, I bring my thoughts, my feelings, my desires. I mm-hmm. give them to the Lord. I listen to what he has a say about them, mm-hmm. and then I move, right? And there's, you know, and I think your desires or your thoughts, your feelings, they aren't they they aren't evil in and of mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. They, they are what they are. Right. And so when you bring them to him, you allow him to transform them. And so you know, the having having those desires brought to him and mm-hmm. and transformed and fulfilled in him is is awesome. Yeah, let's bring that back to uniformity versus conformity. Aaron, what are your thoughts on the Garden of Gethsemane analogy that was? Given yeah, that's a wild one. I, I I appreciate your your reflection on it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think that there there comes a a place where you know, I, I look at, I look at my marriage or some of the close working relationships that I've got mm-hmm. here at Damascus or my family and my life, like that, that w- when I love and I trust somebody that to say, I'm going to defer to your preference, um, or I'm going to defer to your plan or your strategy isn't necessarily a concession. It's actually the fact that I've oriented my life in such a way that, yeah. that, my desire is to fulfill your will. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and when we look to the, you know, we looked at the theology of the body, you looked at the Trinitarian image that St. Augustine um, communicates like that, that is the desire of Jesus is to fulfill the will of the father. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, maybe in that moment, it wasn't so much a conformity, but rather just a reaffirmation of like, Hey, this is the reason I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. John Paul II says love makes the other's eye, one's own eye. So it's like mm-hmm. my heart is lending towards, I love you so much. I want what you want. That's, yeah. that is my eye all of a sudden, like it's mm-hmm. it, um, because I love you. Yeah. Well, I wonder in that too, like you, you have to wonder, right. As, as Jesus ascended uh, Calvary, like each step, if he began to attain that eye more and more, that at one point I thought there was a different action plan that might be better to achieve this desire. And if the cup could pass, Father, let it pass. But then seeing that my desire and yours is the same, that we would bring all back to you, Father, I'm going to go about this work of salvation. And I just, I, you, I just get so curious of the relationship between the yeah. Father and the Son when Jesus was on earth that I wonder if as Jesus ascended that, like, to your point, the uniformity happened, like, in any kind of human way. Like, in, like obviously, like, you can't divide the Godhead from itself, the father, son, and spirit eternally, the triune God. But you, you have to wonder in the mystery of Jesus' humanity, like how, how did he interact with that? Right? Well, no, like, I feel like we should do a spiritual exegesis on like that entire <laughs> passage yeah, to yeah. discover this more. Yeah, that's really good. But I, I think it gets to a point that I was making in the talk a lot with the young people, especially, and that's this difference between taking and transforming mm. that a lot of times our fear in um, submission to the Lord's will, let's say, um, is that he would take something from me. The moment that Jesus becomes Lord of my life, yeah. he has the authority to take away all the things I like from my life. And there's this fear, especially in young people, I would say young adults as well, that the moment I make that decision, the things I value most will be taken. And the kind of like 
shifting would be recognizing that the Lord never takes, but he always transforms. That even, even like he works all things for good for those who love him, right? And so I wonder what you guys think about that, that line between taking and transforming. I think the call of the first disciples is a good example of that, where Jesus doesn't take away a single syllable. He takes fishermen and makes them fishers <laughs> of men. Like he doesn't like go, I'm going to take everything you've ever been doing yeah. and totally um, authoritatively speak an entirely different thing for you. I'm going to take what you were doing, show you the passions of your heart and transform the way it looks. It's first of all, it's indicative that Jesus must have preached a lot like you preach, Brad, where he's like, <laughs> he's got that nice play on like, words. I'm, you're no longer going to be fishermen. You're fisher fishers of, of men. men. Like, yeah, yeah. They're like, whoa, that was a good job. <laughs> Not even Jesus. taking a single syllable. See, that's a powerful yeah, line yeah, yeah. that I used all summer. And that's it was a one liner good. there. That's Jesus. a one liner. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, taking and transforming. Yeah, I, I I don't know if I've got any immediate reflections. I think the um, it's what's happening to me is what's most important. And so the, I mean, because there is definitely like there are certain things that through repentance get taken away, sure, right? Sure. And so what what is what's happening? It's almost like where the the parable that Jesus speaks of, um, if you cast the demons out, but you don't fill the house, the, they're gonna just come right back. And mm-hmm. so like. I think sometimes in our spiritual pursuit, especially in youth ministry, we cast the demon out, and the young person's like, "I'm casting the demon out," right? And then, uh, but they don't fill the house with anything else, mm-hmm. and so because of that, the demons just come back, and yeah. sometimes with more force. And so, if I cast out a spirit of anxiety from my life, but I don't fill my life with something better, mm-hmm. um, or or if I cast out the sin. Uh, 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 you know, whatever sin it is, like of of partying, but I don't change my life to have something better with my friendships. Then what what gets what fills it? And so mm-hmm. I think the transformation happens. Not he's not taking anything out, but he's he's transforming us with whatever he's filling us with. Yeah. And and so what am I? What am I filling myself with? Mm-hmm. And and a, and that it's that infilling of something new. Uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the gift of virtue in my life, the working through virtue that transforms me. Yeah. Yep. You know, we we talk about this idea of of placing our desire, our preference, our decisions on the altar, mm-hmm. and that, that's what it brings to mind for me is that you know when I when I can place something on the altar, one of two things can happen: it can be burnt up as a sacrifice, mm-hmm. or it can be blessed, transformed, and multiplied. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that that's that's kind of the sense that I get. I think yeah. I think both things can happen. Sure. And, and sure. yeah, when something's taken away from me, it's a really good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it goes back to the Aquinas principle too, that like all, all of our desires are towards the Lord. Yeah. Like even when they're placed in something else. So maybe what I'm trying to say in the taking transforming thing isn't that he won't take away old patterns of being. He won't take away... There you go. It, like, yeah. like, it's not that he won't take away like old sin tendencies, but it's that the desires that were undergirding both of those things will remain and simply be transformed to take on a different, Good. a different way, yeah. right? Because I, I just see it a lot in youth ministry and in young adult ministry that it's like I really love athletics, right? Like there was this guy I was walking with um, recently who is doing like sports. Um, how would you even say it? Like sports management and he loves sports, but he's like, sometimes that takes away from my opportunity to like be with the Lord. I could be doing missionary work, all of this. Right. And it was just this idea that like, well, the sports management stuff that you're doing, 
what's the fruit that's coming from that? Yeah. Like, are you doing that with the Lord, right? Like, it's not necessarily that you have to remove all of these things in your life that you enjoy doing so as to say you're submitted to the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's that you have to check the desires that are leading you to do that and see if the Lord's blessing yep. those and providing fruit, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I think. That's good. Yep. And, um, yeah, so this this line between um, <laughs> taking and transforming, I think we get stuck sometimes. And uh, at the end of that drama that we were talking about with the, <laughs> with the stool and, like, the, the seat that makes all the decisions, um, at the very end, and it wasn't until, like, week two that I think the, the line really stood out to me, but Jesus and the main character are speaking, and the main character is really struggling at this point with lordship. The main character is just like, I really want to make you Lord Jesus, but I really don't want to let go of this stuff. Yeah. Like, I really don't want to let go of control that I've been consumed by my whole life. I don't want to let go of this thing that I've been consumed by my whole life. And, like, you can just see the main character struggling. And then finally Jesus says, like, you have to make a decision. And the main character says, I can't. And then Jesus, like, sadly, like, with like you can just, like, feel it in the drama. It's just like, you just did, right? That in saying you, that, that in not making the decision, you are making a decision. You're defaulting into yourself instead of giving me, um, the place that I desire, but that I won't force upon you. And, um, I don't know. I, I, I think that when I reflect on that, it can seem kind of harsh, can't it? That like the Lord would let us choose, uh, not to surrender to him. Right. Like, um, but it's also really important. And so, um, like when you look at the, the young people and the young adults that serve with us, like, are there, things that come to mind when you think about like a wrestle that you've had maybe, or maybe just one that you see in other people about the Lord letting us choose opposite of what we want. Does that make sense? Like at the end of that drama, the Lord's like, you just did. Like he doesn't force her to say that she can, <laughs> and he doesn't force him to say that he can. He, he, he lets her or him make the choice. And so, uh, I don't know that that would sit with me every week. And so I would wonder what your guys' reflections on it would be. Yeah, I mean the uh, the the question that we kind of began earlier about about lordship, I think is really is really unique in that it it, it seems like the um, the circumstance of our lives is is shifting so rapidly that we talk about you know we lived in the, we live in the midst of one of the most distracted generations the world's ever seen mm-hmm. that we talked about all the information that we have access to and like the daily decisions that that this generation of youth and young adults needs to make they're just they're mm-hmm. different like it's it's hard for us to even offer insight on mm-hmm. because of how different um exposure and opportunity is right now even for my for my middle schoolers than it than it ever has been in history so i, I think that like we have to we have to begin to ask ourselves all right so the 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 landscape shifts rapidly on a on a daily basis, on a yearly basis, right? Um, what what remains the same is that in the midst of distraction, like in the midst of competing priorities, mm-hmm. that I need to keep my I need to keep my focus and my decision making on you. Mm-hmm. That I need to continue to in, invite you into relationship. We started we started youth ministry, high school youth ministry, back in two thousand four, like uh, a lifetime ago, mm-hmm. and. Um, the the landscape then was so different than it is today, mm-hmm. but the hearts of people are the same, right? So I I, I what I I think what I go back to is that that's that's the consistent thing, kind of mm-hmm. 
you know, we started the show today, Brad, that, that what's consistent is the fact that I'm going to be oriented toward dedicating my life to something. I just need to constantly be asking myself, you know, today, am I in a place, Jesus, where, where I'm walking in friendship with you or not? That's awesome, Aaron. <clears throat> I think the that's so I think you're you're hitting on like one like concrete decision making process, which I think is often the kind of it 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 lasts throughout our whole conversion of of course, but in our whole life with Christ. But I think it's also like targeted towards those initial conversion years too, where like I think of just, I guess there's I'm thinking there's two different ways you can say I can't in that moment. Yeah. Where like there's the Jesus is like, will you give me control? Yeah. And the one person saying, I can't in that. I don't want to give you control. Yeah, I'm really possessive. struggling. Yeah. I want to keep uh, If you think about contrition before confession, like yeah. you have to have contrition that you actually want to overcome that sin. <laughs> yeah, and, right. and in the sense of that drama, it seemed like she just didn't want to give control. There was no contrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the other response is, and that's where you just need to make those d- daily decisions. I'm giving you control. I'm giving you control. The other one is the I can't where like, man, Lord, I've given you control and yet like I can't mm-hmm. seem to do live the life I want to live and live the life you want me to live. Like we we right. both want me to stop like we both want to overcome my anger, but yeah. I keep having to confess this impulsive anger that just pops up, you yeah. know, or we both want to overcome my anxiety, but I still get in anxious and like where it's just like, I can't, where you're just kind of beat up and you're tired. Yeah, you're, so yeah. the one is like, I can't. Like, mm-hmm. I can't do this. I'm not ready to make you Lord of my life. The other one is, I can't. Like, I've tried to make you Lord of my life, and I'm just, mm-hmm. it's not working. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm right, just beat right, up and broken. Right. Yeah, and it's it's like, yeah, that that's so good because there's no, there's no neutral. Like, I think sometimes yeah. we think that, like, me just mm-hmm. not making a choice doesn't allow me to, like, fail. But, like, it's actually... To your point, Dan, like both of those, both of those decisions come to the same end, unfortunately, because both of them, like they, they fail to take an action step. And so I, I was just like, but, but can I push back a little bit on that? Cause I think a little bit of it's mercy is, is so necessary because there is the person. So like, if I go to sin and I and go to confession, I think about contrition, Mm -hmm. like this contrition is this desire not to commit the sin again. Right. And there are certain sins that I commit that I premeditative and willfully decided to commit. The majority of my sins at this point in my life are Mm -hmm. reactionary, unmeditated, uh, unpremeditated accidental sins. Whereas like my kids did something and Oh man, something came out of me that I didn't like. And, um, Mm -hmm. or yeah. Or I said something that shoot, if I would have thought through a little bit more, I would not have said it that way. And, and so it's that, like, it's that like, man, like I can't, like, I just, I can't because it was, there wasn't even really a decision. It was just like, man, I messed up again. Does sure, that make sure, sense? Of does. like, I'm trying so hard and, and yet it accidentally happens. Yeah. Right. No, I, I received that. Cause I, I think I, maybe I overstated the point in the sense that like, I think what I mean by there's no neutral is that I live in a fallen world and by nature, if the Lord isn't like possessing me in a moment, mm. I am going to react in a fallen way. Yeah. And so sure. there's no, if I'm not like making those daily decisions that you were talking about, like the that's act, a great, that's the a great act clarification of the will, on that. right. Yeah. To like connect, then my, my predisposition is to fall into reactive <laughs> yeah. sin. Right. So there, there is the active choosing of sin. But again, like Jesus is very clear that the, the world 
is under the authority of the evil one. Like we yeah. live in a fallen world where we where concupiscence is real, where there are things vying for our attention that are distractions. And I, I think that's kind of the, the premise of that non-neutrality. Yeah. I don't know. Was it Ignatius who said there's, there's, there's no, like, there's no stagnation in the spiritual. Yeah. Right. Like, cause real stagnation is actually depreciation. Like real, like if we're actually stagnant in our life, we're going backwards. There's no, like, there's no stop. It's forward or backward. Yeah, I love that. So the more my mind is consumed with the Lord and less with the things of the world, the more the the daily responsiveness is right. is spirit driven. You, you build habit, a yeah. spirit driven habit. Mm-hmm. Then my favorite, just as an aside, my, uh, my favorite conviction of um, times when you lose your temper with the kids is when you're in mass. Those are the best. Those are the best. <laughs> yeah. And I, you're just like, wait, am I, why am I so angry? Right I can only imagine. Yeah, right, right, right. But um, th- there is something to that that I think is powerful for us because it does, it becomes the litmus test of what we're consumed by, right? Mm-hmm. That like in a given moment, like I could be consumed by stress or, or consumed by anxiety or consumed by tiredness or consumed by, you, you fill in the blank, right? But the the idea that if I could be consumed by the Lord in that moment, I could respond the way he responded, right? Like I could, I could like actually react the way he reacted. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, that's kind of the dichotomy that I, I try to lay out to the, to the young people is that, um, when the middle schoolers and high schoolers are here, that there's this, there's this thing that's told to us every year at camp, every Sunday at mass. Uh, through all of our upbringing in the faith, through RCIA or however we came to the Lord, there's always this notion of Jesus can do all things, right? Like um, it's by his strength in me that I can do all things. It's it's by his, um, his power that I am not left powerless. But oftentimes we hear that and we want to believe that to your point, Dan, but we get stuck in this to varying degrees, this like, uh, what, like this spectrum between like, I know for a fact I can't to, I don't know if I can, cause I'm getting tired. I'm tired of the same sin. We fall into all of this. Like I can't experience, but we're being told a he can reality. Mm. Right. And so the, I can't experience seems to come into competition with the, he can reality. So I can't overcome this anger thing. I just, it just comes out at least once a week and I just can't get past it. But I'm being told that he's the peace bringer, that he's the one who brings um, restoration to my soul, but I'm not experiencing that. And um, I, I, that's, that's where I think the Eucharist comes in so profoundly is that Jesus doesn't wait for us to get all the way down the spectrum to find that he can, he brings the he can to us, mm-hmm. right? Like he, he mm-hmm. comes right into that moment of I can't. And it makes himself available. And um, and I think that's where the mystery of the Eucharist is is so profound in talking about being consumed. And I wonder what you guys think about that. That um, that same Jesus that made the decision in the Garden of Gethsemane, that same Jesus who we're hearing about in our RCIA programs and at camp and at yeah. Mass, he's fully present in the Eucharist and, and he wants to become the central focus of our, of our week. I mean, that's the wisdom of the church that we should at least once a week be coming to this remembrance 
to this recognition, to this representation that Jesus does overcome yeah. those things. Um, yeah, I, I guess that that gap being bridged can be complicated, though. I guess, what do you see as some well, of the stumbling blocks to allow you know, that gap to be bridged? There's various ways that you come to that moment of conversion, right? Sure. Where Where the path that I was on is suddenly transformed. Mm-hmm. And I think what's been really cool about these last couple shows is we've been reflecting on on the theology of the Eucharist and and particularly the, the way that we've seen this testimony play out mm-hmm. in the lives of our campers and in our own lives. That that so often, um, you know, Jesus Jesus just changes the he changes the plan. He uh he stacks the deck in our favor. Um I, I was you know, you, you look through the story of scripture and you think, man, this this is like this is a great story of people consistently trying to screw things up, it almost seems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and God stepping in and being like, No, don't don't you realize like I actually I actually want this to get figured out. Right. <laughs> right. So, right. So it's like uh and and it is. It, it's perfect and it's it's a beautiful witness that you've made. It's like the Eucharist is sort of this this invitation to a moment of conversion mm-hmm. that that happens in a way that's completely unfair. It's like, you know, you you are so you are so incapable of doing this on your own that I'm gonna force you to come every week and receive the perfect, like the perfect strength. Mm-hmm. So so that you can so that you can have this this you know this moment of transformation, this opportunity for transformation. Mm-hmm. And and you, yeah, you see it in the kids' lives. I mean, Dan was witnessing on the last show to the the, the some of the amazing Eucharistic testimonies that we've that we've seen this mm-hmm. summer, mm-hmm. where kids come in the midst of of a whole host of of distraction and yeah. addiction and um you know broken families and uh and habits of sin mm-hmm. and all of a sudden through this encounter with the person of love through the sacrament of the eucharist in a way that's it's inexplicable mm-hmm. th- their life is transformed uh, you know even in our own testimonies dan and i witnessed the last couple of weeks that um you know to come from this place of of uh a lack of a lack of knowing an encounter, or even in in some in some cases like uh, a conviction to step the other way, mm-hmm. that that the Lord will stop you in your tracks and will say, "Hey, you thought you had this thing figured out, but like, like the like the the prodigal father who who races across the distance to find us, mm-hmm. you know, not just to meet us halfway, but to meet us right where we're at. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's what the Lord does for us. Yeah, mm. I'm into that. Yeah, I think there's the a, a bridge. I wonder what you think about this, Dan. Like there. There comes a time too where, like, in order for me to to step out of just centering on my experience and stepping into the fact yeah. that he promises that he can, there's a sacrifice that has to happen there. Like, I have to let go of something to allow myself to be consumed by something else. You can't be consumed by two things at the same time, you know. Mm-hmm. And that can be hard. That sacrifice of what has been consuming me, because maybe I have been consumed by self doubt. Maybe I have been consumed by the fact I'm never going to get out of this sin pattern. And in order to to actually bridge the gap between that I can't and he can, a sacrifice has to be made. Mm. And that sacrifice can be challenging, I think. I wonder what you think about that yeah. sacrifice that it just naturally has to come. It, you just can't be consumed by two things at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of the mass. Like the mass was is is so uh, well laid out. Uh, it, it was a great <laughs> ministry plan. Uh, where I I come at the very beginning of mass with the penitential rite, 
and I just acknowledge my weakness. I'm like, hey, I can't. <laughs> I, got, I confess to you, Almighty God. And then, um, then we get fed by the Word of God mm-hmm. and, and the truth of of who He is to remind us. Listen, He can. This is salvation history, like you're saying, Aaron, is a whole history of people who can't, which are saved by a God who can. And mm-hmm. and then we get to this place of the offertory, where I think the I can't and the I can come together, mm-hmm. where it's this, okay. I'm going to put everything from this week, uh, all of my struggles, all of my burdens, all of my difficulties, all of my successes, everything, you know, we, we, mm-hmm. we, give, we give the treasure, right? We give the good and the bad. It's all put on the altar mm-hmm. to be transformed by him. And it's that sacrifice that if I, if I go to mass and I'm not mm-hmm. putting that stuff on the altar and, and it's not even, you can take this formula and put it in your prayer life. I, I come in, I recognize I can't, and then I declare the truth that, that he can, and then I place my weaknesses on the altar and allow him to transform them. Mm-hmm. And then when that sacrifice is put on the altar and Jesus, he transforms it. He, he, mm-hmm. he makes it new. And then he says, listen, let me, let me just feed you mm-hmm. on myself. Like quit depending on yourself and depend on me. And, um, and then it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost, have you guys ever thought like mass kind of ends abruptly? Like, it's just like this whole, like, uh, crescendo up to the re- reception of the yeah, Holy communion, Eucharist, yeah. where it's like, oh my gosh, I just received the body of blood, soul, divinity into my very essence. And then it's like the closing prayer, we're done. We're yeah. like, whoa, it's always felt so abrupt. And it's almost like the abruptness is, it's his grace is so startling. Like, listen, kid, I picked you up. I wiped you off. I gave you my I can. Mm-hmm. Now get back out now and do go. it again. Yeah. And I think if I'm being convicted of anything during our talk here is just like the importance of daily mass. Like if weekly mass isn't, if like, if you're really struggling with mm-hmm. this, I, like, I mean, I, the, if the I can't is like kind of your anthem right now and like mm-hmm. you're like mm-hmm. working to overcome things and you're yeah. not, and then, then just close the gap a little bit. If mm-hmm. seven days is Good. too big of a gap, close mm-hmm. the gap and go to mass every day. And if mm-hmm. and and don't just go to mass, but then close the gap even more. Where Paul says, "Pray without ceasing." Mm-hmm. And if I can make this offertory my right. Right. everyday mm-hmm. without ceasing experience, um, that's, that's where grace yeah. consumes you. At that point, yeah. you've been consumed totally. Where my every moment is him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're consumed by love, right? That, that message and, and the, the young people, you should see them. Cause I even like, like bait them into it. I'll, I'll say consumed by love. And then they're like, what the heck does love mean? You know, because love in the world today has been mm-hmm. defined in so many ways, but as you just laid out in the mass, I mean, that is love. Mm-hmm. Love is I give you all of me and now go be all of you. Yeah. Right. I give you all of me, go be all of you. And like, that's so indicative of the mass. Right. To your point, the reception like of the Eucharist communion is then, yeah, now that I'm in common union with you, I need you to take that union out. Like I need you to go bear life with it. Right. One of my favorite moments of the liturgy is just the prayer, Lord, I'm not worthy to receive you under my house, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. And it's just, it's almost like, um, the, this idea of like, uh, my roof, my house, like, like my present life, like Mm -hmm. the world around me, the physical stuff, man, Lord, it's kind of a mess right now, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed, that there's something Mm -hmm. deeper at work. And I think we're so consumed by the things outside of us 
And the Lord's like, yeah, but I'm trying to heal your soul. And mm-hmm. a good philosopher, Epictetus, I, I really like him. He, he always said, um, the key to peace is only worrying about what's under your control and not worrying about the things outside of your control. And mm-hmm. so just getting ourselves in that place where, okay, like, Right now, like this is like the Lord wants to heal my soul, to heal the things that are under my control and to let the things outside of my control pass away. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's just so much. It gives me so much hope of like just to be able to acknowledge like, Lord, I'm I'm not worthy and I don't have it all together, but Mm -hmm. you you're going to come into this house anyway. Like you're going to come into me anyway. It's like it's it's so silly and so beautiful yeah. and so loving. Yeah, I don't have to graduate I can't to get he can. Yeah. Right. Like Yeah, he comes I anyway. simply have to invite him. Yeah. Like that that's where that happens and I um I kind of walk through as kind of evidence for this idea that Jesus wants to consume us um from the inside out to your point Dan. We talk about that here with our missionaries sometimes is that difference between thermostat and thermometer. Like a thermometer lives from the outside in. Mm-hmm. It simply tells you the things going on in the room. A thermostat lives from the inside out, where the thermostat kind of dictates what's happening in the room that it's in, right? Like, and we want to live a life as Christians, especially as Eucharistic Christians, especially as Catholic Christians, from the inside out, where that same Jesus that takes up residence here comes forth through my words and through my actions and in all the things I do instead of from the outside in where it's like all of these opinions of others, all of these things I'm told that I need to catch up with all of these news sources that I I need to be checking. Like instead of being consumed by that and being pulled, I actually need to come here and live inside out. And uh, the evidence I give for that is the, the idea of sacrifice. It's the idea that throughout salvation history, the entirety of our story can be summed up in the Lord bringing love and sacrifice back together, hmm. right? That, that in, in the beginning, what happens in the Garden of Eden is that love and sacrifice are divorced. The Lord loved us so much that he created us, and he created us for abundance and for freedom. And he said, just don't eat of that one tree. Well, why? Like, if the Lord loved us so much, why didn't he just give us free reign? Well, because you, had, you have to sacrifice something if you're going to return love. There's no ability to have love without sacrifice. When that got divorced, then over time we see with Abraham and Isaac and so on and so forth that the Lord is constantly trying to bring love and sacrifice back together. That culminates with Jesus on Calvary that's then represented to us at every Mass, Mm. right? That, hey, here's the moment when love and sacrifice come back together. And I give you my sacrifice in return for yours. I give you my love in return for yours. Brad, when you lay yourself on this altar... I give you my sacrifice and my life, mm-hmm. right? And so um, that's, beautiful. that's that's what it means to be consumed by love, right? It means to be willing to sacrifice what's being asked, what's being asked of you, and being willing to accept what it is that's being offered to you by the Lord, you know. And so, um, yeah, I wonder if uh, I wonder if if we could all just get one percent better at that each day, what the church would look like, you know. like just a a step better each time. But, um, I think, uh, yeah, pretty good. Right. Um, so I think it'd be best just to pray. I think, um, for all of those listening today, just that they would, um, that they would receive what we're talking about. And I'd love for us to just speak what we feel like the Lord's putting on our hearts for those listening and just asking that the Lord would do that in them. So, um, I'll go ahead and just, um, start us out and then we can just speak here for a couple minutes and pray. For those listening, so in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Lord, we are made to be consumed by you. 
We are made to be consumed by your love and by your truth and by your goodness. And we pray today, Lord, that anything that has been consuming us to this point would begin fading away and that only you would remain, that there's need of only one thing. There's need of only one thing in this life, and that is you. And so we allow you to begin consuming us now, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You see throughout history the stories of people's lives that are transformed when inspired by the stories of the saints. And uh, it, I, want, I want our lives to be transformed by the stories of those who are transformed through Eucharistic encounter. I pray, Lord Jesus, that the the grace that you poured out, especially this summer at Catholic Youth Summer Camp, through 6,000 kids experiencing a transformative encounter with you through the Eucharist, Lord, that, that you would extend that grace to us, that you would do in us, again, what you've done in them. Mm. Thank you, Lord. I just want to speak a word of encouragement to anyone who is... Um, has been struggling in the spiritual life and feeling like you can't. Um, and I, I just want what the Lord's saying right now is as, as Paul says, his grace is made sufficient in your weakness, just that the, um, to see that your weakness and your struggle as a grace, um, that, that you have consistently been drawing the Lord nearer and nearer. And the Lord is pleased with you in the way you're drawing him nearer and welcoming him into your life. And mm-hmm. um, I think the Lord is just, uh, he just wants to be with you. And mm-hmm. in this process of where you're at and the struggle you've been in, it's been the process by which the Lord has come to stand right next to you and you have welcomed him there. And um, and so, Lord, I just thank you for standing right next to us in the midst of our daily struggles. Mm-hmm. I thank you for remaining with us um, and never leaving us. And, Lord, I pray that that transformative promise that you give, that you um, are the resurrection and the life, that you would be the resurrection and the life every day and every moment. Uh, and, Lord, I, I pray for every person who has an I can't in their life, that you would transform it through faith, hope, and love Mm -hmm. with a a mighty and powerful I can. And Lord, I pray that we'd be a generation of Catholics that are able to testify to the power of your mercy, the power of your grace, and the victory of the cross. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Lord, convict us um, that there's always a resurrection to every sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And we pray today, Lord, that anyone... um, I'm just getting uh, the idea that that there's some listening today who are stuck in Romans 7, and that's where Paul is constantly like, I do what it is I don't want to do, but the Lord's just saying that Romans 7 is always incomplete without Romans 8, where the Spirit comes and actually Mm -hmm. frees. And so for anyone that's listening, and for those uh, who might listen later, uh, if you're stuck in a Romans 7 reality where you're doing what you don't want to do, know that the Lord has his spirit that he offers you and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Mm -hmm. So we speak freedom over our listeners today. We speak freedom over us at this table, Lord, and we speak freedom over all those in this studio here today. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we give this all to you in Jesus name. Amen. 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 In the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Amen. Amen. Friends. So we were made to be consumed. We weren't made to be consumed by the things of the world, but we were made to be consumed by the things of God. We were made to be consumers not consumers of the things of the world, but of the things of God. And this is Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. If this show has been edifying for you, like 
and subscribe. Give us five stars if you're checking us out on any podcast application. And please, if you have a friend in your life that you think would benefit from a conversation around what it means to be rightly consumed by the things of God, feel free to share this exact episode with that friend, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time.